All right, what's up, everyone? We got an exciting uh, another episode today. We got Joshua Harris, 20 years old, fighting Hodgkin's lymphoma. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. You got to keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. You can either live your dreams or live your fears. Because you'll have bad times, but that'll always wake you up to the good stuff you weren't paying attention to. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. From the Cancer Suck Studios, you just tuned in to Life Lessons and Cancer Hope with Coach Steve. Listen, cancer ain't got nothing on me. Introducing an outstanding podcast where we discuss relatable life lessons, ambition, motivation, and perseverance. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, Josh, Joshua, thanks for uh, being on the show with us uh, and taking the time uh, to tell us your story. And uh, so, what was uh, what was life like uh, for you before uh, you were diagnosed and before you started getting any kind of symptoms? So, um, I'm a 20 year old college baseball player. I've been playing college baseball since uh, 2019, and my life before I got cancer was mainly that. It was just going to school, it was lifting, it was playing baseball, and um, just my life, my whole life revolved around baseball and revolved around whatever I was doing at school. And um, I didn't really have many symptoms of Hodgkin's lymphoma and except for just one, like there was one symptom that I couldn't shake for about six to eight months. And I had no idea it was even Hodgkin's lymphoma or cancer related. So it was itching. It was just constant itching on my legs and arms. And I had no idea what that meant. I went to a whole bunch of uh, dermatologists and they're like, there's nothing wrong with you. They could, I thought it was like psychosomatic. I thought it was an anxiety-based thing. So I was just trying to, I was losing sleep for like six to eight months. I was getting like three to four hours of sleep a night. It was ridiculous. And wow. um, it was it was really bad. But And we fortunately found out that I had um, cancer in a very weird way. Like it was uh, all because of COVID. So yeah, I... Um, I was playing baseball. It was it was mid April, and uh, we have to get tested for base. We have to get tested for traveling and all that kind of stuff for COVID, and um, get tested for COVID in April. Didn't have too many symptoms. I just had like a stuffy nose, and um, got tested positive. Got sent home. Was dealing with that for about ten days. Nothing really too bad. Just um, kind of felt really run down. That was about it. And then I get back to playing ball. Um, I have to wait for two weeks because we have like these symptom, uh, these, these COVID procedures and all that kind of stuff for baseball and, um, season, season ends eventually. And I'm supposed to be playing baseball down in Florida for a, uh, pre-professional league called the Florida Gulf coast league. And, um, like you sign a contract to go play there and everything. And my parents were really big on me getting tested for my lungs and heart and stuff like that, because they saw that. Um, young athletes who got COVID, they had some issues with their heart and their lungs, and they wanted to make sure that I was fine. And before I um, before I went down there to go play in the heat, that I'd be okay. So no, I'm like, no. okay, I really didn't want to do it. My doctors suggested that I didn't even do it either because they're like, you're pretty good shape. You're 20 years old. You're gonna be fine. So <laughs> my parents were oh, really wow. big on pushing it. So. Um, Eventually got all that stuff done. Got my blood work done. Blood work came fine. Chest X-ray, 
saw some uh, like nodulars, nod nodules in my chest. Yeah. And they were like, that could just be leftover COVID um, residue, but like bacteria and stuff like that. So they wanted to check in a little bit more and then I uh, waited two weeks um, to see what the issue was and then got a CT scan. And the CT scan came back with, um, so it was from my head to my, um, my groin and they found some nodules and some more tumors like right around uh, in here in my neck and in my windpipe. And then in my chest. So they were really concerned with that. And they um, immediately thought that since it's because of my age and some other the other symptoms like the um, the itching and stuff like that, it would be Hodgkin's lymphoma. So they. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it, it's like a pretty big um, common symptom with like night sweats and itching. And those are the only things that really for young huh. people you see with um, with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And. So I went and got those um, went and got those CT scans done. They told me that it was possible Hodgkin's lymphoma. So then my next step was to get a biopsy. And I I really hated I hate needles. I hate um, going into hospitals and stuff. And I was very nervous about it. But uh, got got the biopsy done. I got uh, part of the tumor taken out right here. And yeah, they, so lower neck for those that are listening to uh, like right. Google podcasts and things like that or Apple. Yeah, right on my lower okay, neck. Okay, lower neck. Yep. And then um, they put in a barred power port for chemo because they said that um, location of the tumors, radiation would be really hard to do. So, so the biopsy, so I, I'm going to pause right there. So I assume then the, at that point, the biopsy came back, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, confirmed Hodgkin's lymphoma. Right. And then that's mm-hmm. when they said, okay, we got to, you know, put a port in and do chemo. What yeah, was your it was parents? pretty immediate. Um, so oh, pretty immediate. That, all happened, wow. that all happened in within like ten to fifteen minutes of finding out exactly what it was. Oh, so you're still there. You're still. You yeah, never so I'm, I'm completely under. I was under for about four hours because um, they did my first thing, which was the biopsy. Had to get everything tested. So that was about fifteen to twenty minutes. They sent the results to the labs. Got everything tested. Came back with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Then they're like, okay, immediately we want to um, put in his port. So that he can get. So started. you were still under general. You yeah. were still under anesthesia. I was completely under everything. Like I was, I was out <laughs> the whole time. So then they're like, "Well, you're under right now. Let's put the port in. Might as exactly. well, right?" Wow, and that's good. Yeah, it was really good. The people at UNC were are very, very good. Very blessed to have them be my primary care people. And like they came out, told my parents. Um, they were all in the waiting room with our main liaison nurse person, and came over, told him. The situation that it is Hodgkin's mm. lymphoma that they were right before, and that they would like to start the chemo almost as soon as they can by putting in the port. So they bring out the little port. I've never even seen it um, except for when I just looked it up on the internet. And they right. like, showed my parents, and they're like, "This is what's going to be in here. Um, this is this is how he's going to be getting his uh, chemo done for the next six months." And um, just wanted to let you guys know that we're going to start doing that immediately. Like we're going to put it in immediately. So, um, I was, I was out the entire time and it felt like, it felt like I just closed my eyes and woke up like, and I, I know that people who have surgery, um, pretty regularly have that same experience where they're just like immediately awake afterwards. And I just felt like I just took a nap and just woke up with some, extra little pieces in me and some, uh, yeah. was taken like, out what too. just happened? Exactly. Yeah. And I was, um, Ugh. this is my first surgery. Um, 
I, when I was younger, I had an arachnoid cyst in my brain. So um, I had to have surgery for that to get that removed. And um, so an arachnoid cyst is like a, it's a benign tumor. So it's non-cancerous and it's just uh, pushing on my optic nerve. It's kind of the reason why I have glasses too. Uh, okay. But, um, yeah. So that was, that was something I forgot to mention a little bit earlier. I, I have been dealing with that since I was about two years old. And I get oh, okay. So very young. Yeah. Very, very young, but it's been, um, been here for 18 years. And, yeah. um, it all, the only real thing I got to deal with is sometimes headaches and then the reason I wear glasses. So not my first time in a hospital room, but, um, this one was a little bit scarier. <laughs> I can tell you what that. was going through your head and your parents, uh, the, the reaction, um, when they basically said, you know, this before the biopsy, you know, when they had the chest x-ray and the CAT scans, um, you know, what was their, you know, and then was it a different reaction once things were confirmed with your reaction and your parents? So my reaction was a little different than my parents. So um, they didn't even tell me, like I went to my main practice, like my, na- my main guy, and he just had a piece of paper and he just kind of like slid it to my parents because he's been our family physician for the last eight years. And he knows my parents really well. He knows me really well. And he wanted to let my parents know a little bit before I did. So he just kind of slid them the paper. And my mom like immediately was, was in tears because her 20 year old, I'm an only child getting told he's got cancer. And I'm like, what's going on? Nobody's telling me anything. I'm right. really concerned. Oh. And my dad, like my dad and I, both my parents and I have a very good relationship. And my dad just looks me in the eyes and I can just see, I'm like, this is, this is going to not be, uh, this is not going to be the best news that we could have heard. But, um, my first reaction was when am I going to be able to play baseball again? And can I play baseball right now? And, and he was, and my doctor was like, wow, nice. <laughs> My doctor was like, that's not going to be right now immediately because you're going to have to go through chemo. You're going to have to get surgeries done. And I was like, okay, well, what's the best case scenario with me being able to play baseball? Because I was supposed to go down to Florida, like I said, in a month after what we were having this conversation. So I, I already had baseball in the mind. I had, I've been training for this my entire life. And, um, so we were, already had baseball in the mind. That's the only thing I could really think about. And then he goes, best case scenario is two years that you're going to be fully healthy again. And I was like, okay, thank you for the challenge. Right. Yeah. Thank right. you. For the challenge. For you. And that's something that I've always been, that's been in the back of my mind was him saying two years and I'm going to say only a year or a year and a half. That's, that's my goal to get back to playing shape again get back to being on a on a roster in the fall hopefully next fall no idea where i'm going to be but um wherever i end up going and i know that i'm going to have a cool story and i know that i'm going to be mentally and physically stronger than a lot of the other dudes there because of what i've had to deal with wow you know it is amazing you know i've been doing these interviews now and it you know and for those that listening don't i mean this, this is a you know definitely a game changer fighting cancer because the the folks that um you know, get diagnosed with cancer and they just, they have this, uh, this mind click, like, all right, you know, uh, they have the vision, right. Of beating it earlier than, than what, you know, what their doctor is telling them. And also having that vision of their, uh, passion, you know, whatever it is like for you, it's that baseball going back to lifting, 
you know, for other people, it was, you know, you know, it was different things or, you know, and, uh, trying to get back and just picturing yourself going back to doing the things that you love and, you know, trying to, you know, fight this cancer and get it out of the way so you can go back to doing what you love. I mean, I just, I, I think that that's definitely, you know, mind over healing, powerful stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. My, um, my biggest inspiration and my biggest, um, push right now is in my faith. And I'm a Christian unashamed to say that. And, um, I've been a Christian my entire life, and I know that that God has pushed me through situations to where I thought I couldn't make it out of it, and He's already pushed me through them. Like same thing with my with my uh, arachnoid cyst. Like I've been, oh yeah, I've been um, pushed towards and away from my my adversities and been able to get through them. So I had no like almost no fear at all that I was going to end up bad out of this. And I knew that I was going to beat this no matter what. And that, that came from my faith. That's powerful. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so where were we in your uh, timeline here? This is, uh, when was this going on? So what month and year? Yeah. So I got, um, diagnosed on May 17th. That was the day when I got diagnosed and then I got my biopsy done on June 1st. And then I started my chemo on June 25th. June 25th, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, do you, can you recall your chemo drugs? Just so. So I know it's ABVD. Um, I don't know exactly what they okay. stand for, yeah. but um, I'm sure that whoever's listening can can look those up. Those are the pretty common Hodgkin's lymphoma um, drugs that they use. I know that one of the B stands for bleomycin and it sucks. It is called the red devil for a reason because it is a giant syringe that is about this big and it is a push for a 20 minute push. Um, and it, it sucks. Like that is the one that I really, really hate because it makes everybody nauseous. And, um, that's, that's the issue for people who have Hodgkin's lymphoma. Like all the other medicines don't really suck except for that one. Oh, wow. And um, they told me I was going to lose my hair, which, um, so I shaved it off. I had, I had a little bit of a flow going, and they told me I was going to lose my hair, and I didn't lose it, so. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Full head of hair for those uh, just listening, not watching. Yeah. yeah. It was a little weird because they, that was something that I, was, I wasn't really concerned about. I mean, I knew that my hair would eventually grow back at some point. But um, my doctor was really adamant about it. He was like, it's going to fall out in clumps. It's going to be a little awkward. I know that's hard for like a 20-year-old to deal with. But um, yeah, it's going to sure, sure. And I was like, all right, whatever. I'll shave my head. And yeah. then, <laughs> then nothing happened. So, Wow. So, yeah, that's, uh, that, you know, it just seems like, you know, got, anybody losing hair through chemo sucks, right? Whether you're you know, um, especially, you know, a young guy like yourself, but, uh, uh, you know, I definitely, I, I, you know, hearing experiences from women, like, you know, you, you guys, the women are out there, you know, my hat's off to you. You just, Absolutely. you know, for those that lose hair, that's just completely different. Like we, you know, us guys, we can get, you know, we can get away with a buzz cut or, mm -hmm. or a, you know, bald head, but yeah. So yes, yeah, so you didn't lose it. That's good. Yeah. I was very fortunate with that. So my, um, my chemo journey started on the 25th of June and right now it's October 5th. So I have done eight total treatments and I've got four left. So I've, I've, my original plan was to get 12 done 
and um, just of the same regimen, the exact same regimen. Nothing was supposed to change with the medicines because they're doing their job. I get PET scans every once in a while. Medicines are saying that they're doing their job and very fortunate with that. And um, yeah, so my chemo, sometimes I have good ones. Sometimes I have bad ones. This is going to, it's pretty common amongst everybody. I'm assuming who has chemo. Um, There's days where I go in and I feel great and then I leave and I feel great. And then there's days when I go in, I feel like crap. And then I'm going to leave feeling like crap. So I've had three ones where I've truly experienced what it's like to feel like you have quote unquote cancer where you feel really bad. Um, I've had three of those experiences and five good experiences. Those experiences really do suck. But if you've got a good support group, if you've got a good um, with me, my good faith and um, just a good attitude, you're going to get through it. That's, that's what I've found out through my journey myself. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's powerful stuff. You know, faith, spirituality, all that stuff. It's just, it's so, so important. and so, so helpful, you know, to just keep going, you know, especially when you get knocked on your ass and then, you know, you start to get up and you start to feel better. And before you know it, uh-oh, two weeks go by. Right. You know, you got to do it all over again. Yeah. You get knocked on your ass again. Yeah. My, so, uh, yeah. My schedule that I do for my, um, my chemos is, so I'm usually knocked out for, like, when I say knocked out, I mean not be able to work out and stuff. So I get my treatments done every other Friday. So that Saturday and Sunday, total rest days, total just sitting at home, doing nothing besides watching TV and eating. And then Monday, I've got to get back to um, my student manager job. So I'm a student manager at UNCW's baseball team. And that's just me moving outside, um, not doing too much heavy lifting, not really um, pushing myself too hard, just going out there and doing my job. And then by Wednesday and Thursday, that's when I feel, quote unquote, normal again. And that's when I get to lift again. That's when I get to work out. That's when I get to go back to a, a normal life again. I get to throw again. I get to hit. and that's how my schedule goes on the days and weeks that I have chemo. Yeah. I, I, I remember, um, you know, I would feel my best, you know, like two days, you know, a day before you got to go back in again. Right. Cause I mean, the more days you go through the, you know, the easier and stronger, you start to regain your strength. Mm-hmm. If you lost some weight, uh, you start to gain it back, things like that. But, uh, you know, in the beginning I was like trying to get a really hard workout in, uh, before I'd have to go back to chemo because knowing I'd have to, you know, be down again for a while, you know, I'd work out hard the day before, but I would notice like, you know, my CNS getting hit hard in my body because you, you know, basically recover, you know, if you're working hard, working out hard, the next day is when your body is like healing and recovering from that workout. But, you know, then I learned that, oh, maybe not a good idea the day before chemo. Yeah. <laughs> so counterintuitive. Yeah. I've had to kind of like change the way I normally train. So before I got sick, I'd train six to seven days a week. And my off days were scheduled around game days and stuff like that. And um, now I try to train whenever I can. So it is a totally different experience from being healthy to dealing with this. So whenever I'm, um, so my, like I said, my chemo is every two weeks. So um, every, I get about eight days of good of good. Yeah. Um, I get about eight days of being able to lift, being able to, um, 
move around normally. And on that eighth day is when I have my chemo. So I still normally, I still lift on the day I have my chemos. Like I go in because my chemo is at three, at like one one or two in the afternoon. So I know that I can lift at six in the morning and have food and recover enough until, until my, my treatment. You got to sit in the chair. Yeah. 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 Wow. I like to squat on those days because squatting is my favorite day. Um, And I like to squat on those days because I know I'm going to be sitting in a chair. Don't really need to be moving around too much. So my legs will be fine. Yeah. That's, that's interesting that you said that uh, having that after, because I, I always had my appointments in the morning, but looking back, I'm like, Oh man, maybe I should have had my appointments in the afternoon, you know, and then I can enjoy the, yeah. It's good for me because I'm a student as well. So, um, I, all my, most of my classes are in the mornings and I can get my morning classes done and then head over, uh, to, to Raleigh and take my two hour drive and be fine. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so you're driving after your chemo appointment? Uh, before. I oh no, before. Oh, that's right. Cause you're going yeah. to rally from Wilmington to get your chemo yeah, I, so I yeah, yeah, stay, and you still have time to do it. Yeah. I stay until about Sunday night and then I head home, um, I can, I, I mean, I can drive myself from chemo. I can drive myself to and from chemo. It's just that one of the medicines they give me makes me a little drowsy. So I, I like to have yeah. my parents um, there. And one weird experience, not really a weird experience, but it, it, it makes makes sense. I'm, I'm 20 years old. Usually there aren't many 20-year-olds in the cancer ward. And usually they're like, the younger people are like the eight, 17 to 18-year-olds. They're with the pediatric care. Um, I am right on that edge of not being in the pediatric care and being in the, um, being in the pediatric care. So I'm with a bunch of people who are like 65 and up at at my chemo, um, where I get my chemo done. So it's a little bit, uh, a little bit different than what I was expecting because I had the option to go stay with the kids and I thought it would be a little weird because I'm 20 and, um, I thought it'd be just better off with the adults because I thought there would be more young adults. Turns out there are not. And I am the only person there who's under like 40 and everybody knows me. Everybody knows me by name. Everybody knows my story because um, I'm there every two weeks and I'm the guy who looks different from everybody else. So, yeah. um, yeah. So that's a little weird, but I've gotten used to it and I love the, the nurses. I love the people who I'm there with. Everybody there is just so nice and very, very blessed and fortunate to be able to have the people who I have working with me. Oh, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, we talked about your, um, your, you know, your faith, your love for lifting and, and baseball. What other, um, you know, was there any other factors in your life that you've, you've changed since you got diagnosed? Um, any routines or? Yeah. So I, I'm a very extroverted person and with COVID going on and with me being severely, um, immunocompromised, I had to change that a little bit. Um, I normally like to go to sporting events. I love to go hang out with my friends and stuff like that. That was one thing that I had to change. Um, not for the, well, for the better for my health, but not for the better for my mentality wise. Um, and that's why lifting has been really, really influential in my, in my mental health, because, um, 
I would get a lot of my social energy and stuff like that from going out and hanging with my friends, hanging with my teammates and everything. But um, since COVID, well, since COVID has been going around and since I'm severely immunocompromised, I kind of have to lay off to the side a little bit. Yeah, we got to be careful. Yeah, Yeah. very careful because, you know, like neutrophils are very important for, um, for when you get your tests and your blood work done. Mine are always below one. Oh wow! Yeah, so, so you're neutropenic like, like all the time. Yeah, so I'm I'm at like 0.2 to 0.6 every time I get my yeah. done. So I've got to stay away from people, wear my mask wherever I go. Um, yeah, and not just COVID. I mean, flu, right? Common oh, cold yeah, of any kind of virus, any kind of like, yeah. I mean, you basically you don't want to get anything, right? You know, when your neutrophils are that low. Yeah, so that's why um, the lifting and staying with this bubble that I have with the baseball team here, that is something that I've had to change because I was a really social person and I would go out and I'd hang out with my friends and the people who I didn't know and stuff like that. But that was just one thing I had to change. Um, very fortunate enough to have good friends and I've met good friends at the gym. Um, that's another great thing that happened here. I've met people at the gym. I've, I've got a workout partner who I like to hang out with and work out with. And it's just, it's, it's great. It's great for my mental health. It's great for, um, great for my physical health too, to just, cause those two go and in, are intertwined a lot with Absolutely. physical health, especially with dealing with something like this. Um, happy mind leads to a little bit better feeling. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, so I, I've, you know, the beginning of this, uh, you know, creation of my podcast. I really wanted to get not just people's stories out there, uh, but I, I kind of focus on a lot of my um, guests are, uh, you know, fitness workouts. You know, I've had bodybuilders, I've had uh, CrossFitters, uh, you know, strongman, um, you know, and, uh, and now, you know, you playing baseball, of course, lift, still power lift, strength training, things like that. So, yeah, I just think that it's so important for people to uh, get out there, do some exercise. You know, I talk about this almost on every podcast. You know, and of course, there's a lot of people fighting cancer out there that just did not do any fitness prior, right? So they're they're the ones that's going to have the toughest time because it's like more important than ever now uh, when you're fighting cancer to, to really get some kind of exercise. If, if you're not, if you didn't live that lifestyle prior, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and a lot of them are intimidated. They're like, well, I don't know what to do. You know, I got to do, you know, strength training is just, I, I recommend that for everybody, but you know, we always say, you know, get a personal trainer, you know, and, it, and it's tough if you can't get one, um, you might be able to get one that could, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, programs out there um, you know, for cancer patients. So you might be able to find, uh, and I'll, I could start researching that too, but having online trainers, uh, with no cost, you know, giving their time to, uh, you know, and that's what they're, you know, focus on. I'm going to try to put out a couple of video, basic videos with bands, stability ball, you know, things like that. You don't even need weights at home. Just, right. uh, you know, one or two pair of bands, you know, and the walking, just walk, walk a little farther every day, get your steps in, you know, all the phones now can track your steps. Yeah. So increase your steps by like 200 steps a day or something, anything. Yeah. You know? That's kind of why I want to change my major to exercise science as well, because I want to show and like, I want to put out there that just because you're doing chemotherapy, just because you're doing, just because you have cancer doesn't mean that it can stop. 
what you want to do and stop your physical fitness. And hopefully, um, when I have to do my dissertation, yeah, or start a new journey with it, right? Or start right. A new journey. exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. And when I um, when I have to do a dissertation at some point for when I graduate, I'm hoping to do mine on the effects of chemotherapy on lifting. That's awesome. So that's wow. what yeah. my goal is to do is to do that. Yeah. God bless you, man. That's, that's, that's going to be so good. That's going to be so good for, uh, the, you know, the people, cause it's just, it's exercise so important for any adversity, mm-hmm. even if you're not, even if you're not going through any adversity at all. I mean, obviously, you know, it's so important, but the exercise, you know, can do a lot of healing on the body mentally. Not, you know, we talked about that, right. But not just physically, of course, but mentally, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And like, my mental, my, a lot of my mental, um, positiveness comes from hitting big numbers in the gym. And that is something that I really am trying to push towards, uh, right now. I'm trying to rebuild my strength. Like I, uh, said a little bit earlier that I wanted to get back up to where I was before I got sick. And that has been my big push has been to push to, to those numbers. And I've already surpassed a few of them. And now yeah, I'm that's just, awesome. now I'm just, grinding it out because I know that there are people who um, are following me on say Instagram or something like that, who I can be of an inspiration to. And I want to continue to do that. And I love doing that. And um, like there's TikTok. I'm not really big on TikTok, but I have a Twitter yeah, account man. and um, I post some, i sometimes post my workouts on there and that gives you an entirely different audience than Instagram does. So Huh. Like spreading my, I just like spreading my story and showing that this isn't going to stop you. And there's actually, I met somebody on um, Twitter, two people actually, who fought Hodgkin's lymphoma and are playing college baseball again. So, oh wow, yeah, cool. very so cool. I've been able to talk to them. Um, one of the dudes I'm going to talk to, he goes to Hofstra University, and he is actually in the conference for UNC Wilmington, and he's going to be coming down here when they played um, this year. So I'm going to talk oh, to sweet. him. I'm going to talk to him yeah. at some point because he was dealing with it his freshman year and sophomore year as well. And now he's back to playing college baseball. And that's a huge inspiration for me. And that's something that I want to be to other people as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, your story is unbelievable and inspiring, you know, and speaking of goals, you know, because you're trying, you know, you said, you know, you surpassed some of your numbers and, you know, and for those listening, you know, it depends on your um, fitness level, but this applies to any kind of goal uh, while you're fighting cancer. But um, I always have to remind myself to start, uh, you know, with a small goal. Mm-hmm. You know, you want those little wins because sometimes if you, you know, you have, unless you're used to it, like, you, you know, you, you and me, you know, we're working out, you know, we're used to these big programs. We used to get these numbers up, but I had to dial it back and say, you know what, I just want these little wins. Um, and, uh, you know, anything, whether it's fitness or diet or, um, or a positive affirmation, you know, one extra positive affirmation, just small little, or, Hey, I'm going to try to, uh, maybe get in the shower today and, uh, not be out of breath. Cause sometimes I remember I'd have to get in the shower and I have to lay down for like two hours cause I'd be completely shot, you know, those days after chemo. But, um, yeah, those little wins can be uh, very good for, you know, your mind, you know, so you're not like, Oh, I didn't meet my goal today. You know, Oh, maybe your goal was too big, you know, start with small, you know, even if you got to meet multiple goals in a day. Yeah. Speaking of little goals, um, when I started my lifting journey, 
So I started um, my Kimosabi lifts, quote unquote, which is my Instagram handle. I started. Oh, you got to you got to tell us that story too, like where you got the name and stuff. Yeah, and, so, and this is the first time we've heard of this. His, his Instagram is. Go ahead now. What is it now? It's Kimosabi underscore lifts. Yeah, I'm so, gonna put that on the uh, thing. Yeah, my dad actually came up with that name when he found That's out that awesome. I had to do uh, chemo, and he was like, "All right, what's up, Kimosabi?" And um, immediately I was like, "There's something I can do with this because um, it's a good nickname. It oh yeah, it'll stick with me a little bit." And um, so I started this Kimosabi lifts like two or three days before I started my chemo, and I wanted to get back into lifting because I had my surgery. I, I lost about 15 pounds. Um, from my diagnosis to the day when I started my chemo, wanted to get moving again. Like that was my main goal was to get moving. I wasn't really focused about numbers at that point. I was just wanting to move again. I wanted to get back into fitness. And um, like my my biggest things are squat and deadlift. And my first day back, I wanted to squat because it's really important to me to have strong legs and just start moving again. So I like I did 225, five sets of five, and I was like, I'm gassed. I've never been, never been this tired after doing 225. And I had to really readjust my goals from there. And I was like, don't chase numbers right now. Chase getting healthy again. And that was something that really had to, that I had to think about because I've been chasing numbers. I've been chasing a certain, um, like physical fitness level my entire life with baseball and everything. And this was just starting to get back healthy. Like that, my goal was to get back healthy again. So once I started lifting again, um, started moving back into working out, the goals started adjusting because my body felt better and my mind was getting better. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Wow. All right. Um, gosh, is there uh, um, anything else you want to uh, tell the audience of, um, you know, any suggestions, any inspiration? I just wanted to thank you for um, ha- having me on here. This is a great opportunity to spread my story and to meet and talk with other people who are going through similar situations. This is a great opportunity, and I thank you so much for it. And I also just wanted to remind people that it is important to have a good support staff with um, when you're dealing with this. Like My family and my faith are above everything right now, and I just wanted to point that out and say that having a good friend family background is really going to help and i hope that everybody who is dealing with this has that at some point nice yes absolutely 100 percent um you know my my wife's like my rock so i you know and my kids are great and um and uh it just you know without my wife i don't know where i'd you know people you need that you know family or you know, friends or any kind of support system out there. I mean, you don't have to go through it alone. And there's a lot of, you know, I've noticed like usually, you know, I, I you know, I don't want to like, uh, you know, put like a significantism or like a, uh, like thing on like men and women, but it just seems like there's the, the people that I've come across men that have cancer, like really like have a, especially the, uh, maybe an older generation. Uh, really have a tough time with it uh, because they don't they don't want to let anybody know. Um, they want to keep it to themselves, or you know they you know they they were strong all their life. You know these are like older you know older guys, and um, you know they, they just you know they don't want to show 
you know, any kind of weakness. And it's not, it's not a weakness. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's an adversity you're going through and it's so important. And there's, you know, and there's no burden. Like a lot of people are even afraid to ask for help. You know, oh, can you, you know, maybe can you drive me? Because I got my friends, you know, they're really good. They help me. They take turns. They drive me to appointments. So my wife doesn't have to keep coming off of work. And so we kind of all rotate in. But, um, you know, it's amazing. If you ask for help, it's you are not a burden. People want to help you. It's tough because a lot of times they don't know how. And so maybe if they're not um, asking you, what can I do to help? Things like that. It's because maybe they just don't know how to help you. But once you ask them, most of the time, yeah, they're happy to help. And if they're not, they're not your friend. Yeah, um, my best buddy—they all shaved their head. Um, when they found oh, that's awesome! When I had when they found out I had to shave my head and when I had to do um, my chemo, and I couldn't have asked for any better friends. I truly yeah. couldn't have. And if if they were here, like when, because they're all doing school and they're all doing baseball where they are. But if they were here when I had when I had to do my own chemo, like they would be driving me to there. They'd be driving me to and from appointments. They're they're great friends, and I I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah. So December, uh, so far is, uh, and then, uh, your scans would be how, how long after that, after your last chemo? So my, my next PET scan is supposed to be early January. And, um, from there we just find out whether or not I have to continue doing my chemo or not. And, um, just from there, uh, looking forward to having good results because the results have been solid so far. Very solid. Um, the chemo is working and very blessed and very fortunate for that as well. Yeah, 100%. I want to bring you back here, um, you know, after the holidays. So, Absolutely. Uh, you know, we'll keep continuing, you know, following and ch- chatting online here on Instagram. I'll put your handle on the, uh, you know, on the YouTube. And also, this is also on Apple Podcasts, Google Anchor, Spotify, you know, you name it. I got a lot of the podcast broadcasting out um, to these audio, you know, because people like to listen, driving in and out of work, things like that. And I do have a pretty good amount of audience that do watch the YouTube. But like I said, there's still a fair amount that just listen. Great. So, uh, but yeah, no, this this has been great. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely, you know, and inspiring that you want to inspire others too. You know, that's, I think that's what's important and that's what connects people to other people they don't know, you know, and Hey, look at us, you know, our adversities, you know, we met each other online and uh, we connected. And uh, I, I just think those connections are you know, so powerful. Absolutely. You know, we need more of that in the world right now, more positivity, you know, what you always put in. That's what I always say, you know, you know, whether it's faith or spirituality, you know, whatever you put out in the universe, it comes back to you. You know, whatever you put out in God or your faith, it comes back to you. So, you know, it's just, it's you know, so important, you know? Yes, sir. Thank you very so, much for this opportunity. This is great to talk to you. And I hope that we continue to uh, converse and have a good conversation whenever I'm done with my last round of chemo. Awesome. Definitely. Definitely. All right, guys. Thank you for watch, watching or listening to this episode. We'll see you on the next episode. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe button on the YouTube channel. And if you're listening to the audio platforms, make sure you put in a review. I appreciate it. So we're trying to reach out to other 
uh, cancer patients, uh, fighters, warriors, survivors, and also uh, caregivers. Caregivers are just so, I mean, they, you know, they go through so much. So it's so important. I want to support uh, you and you caregivers out there and give a shout out to them. Um, you know, so, all right, we'll see you on the next episode, guys. Thank you. Thank you. From the Cancer Suck Studios, that is a wrap. Check us out in future episodes of our podcast and be sure to subscribe. But before we go, just want to give a shout out to all the admirable and devoted caregivers out there. Until next time, stay strong. We got this. Because every once in a while, the lion has to show the jackals who he is.